0: Thank you should
1: Alright everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service at High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing tonight? Yes, blessed in the name of Jesus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We are celebrating Jesus, our Savior, the light of the world. Amen. Coming down to earth. Alright, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus. No matter what it looks like, no matter what they say, we believe the word of God. Amen. So let's go ahead and we're going to speak these words of faith together. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. Well, let's go over a few Quick announcements here. Uh, the first thing that we want to remind everybody of is this, is that we are very excited to be doing a toy drive this Christmas season for on the rise foster agency. All right. And so what we're doing is we are collecting. Uh, we need brand new toys. Okay. We're not no use toys. Brand new toys. Don't wrap them. They need to be unwrapped. And we need you to bring them in anytime between now and Sunday, December the 12th. Okay. So we've got a, a bin back there at the info booth. Bring those toys in, and after Sunday the 12th, we're going to be taking those over there, and we want to bless as many kids as we can this Christmas season and let them know that Jesus loves them, and he cares, and we care. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Are there any men in the house? Yes, men. There we go. This Saturday at 9 a.m. is our December men's meeting. So be there at 9 a.m. And of course, we'll provide some breakfast and a great Bible study for you and some time to fellowship with some godly men and some good influences. So that's this Saturday at 9 a.m. All right. Any ladies in the house? All right. The ladies, they're here. They've arrived, everybody. They are here. So uh, ladies, the women's meeting Christmas party is going to be Friday, December the 10th at 630. And uh, the, the menu is a pitch-in soup and salad. So bring your favorite soup or salad. And uh, there's going to be a gift for every lady there. Uh, lots of great stuff. Um, the, the cost is $3 a person. And you can get tickets at the info booth uh, right after the service. And so ladies, come on out. Bring your daughters and all this stuff. It'll be a wonderful time. All right. Another great thing, my favorite time of the year is going to be Sunday December 19th. That is the church Christmas service. Amen. And this is our biggest most wonderful day of the year. Um we we're going to have uh the children are doing their performance, their play that they've been working on. So uh, this is a great time to invite family to come see the kids, invite their grandparents and we have found out consistently that There may be relatives or friends that they they flat out, they they turn down your invitation to church all year long. But if you tell them and let them know, hey, Junior is going to be in the Christmas play, they will come to church to see Junior or whatever his name is, right? You know what I mean? And so that's a perfect chance for you to bring him in, and I promise we will give them the gospel of Jesus Christ that day, and it's a chance to get them into the kingdom of God. So uh, Sunday the 19th, we'll have a pitch-in dinner right after the service, lots of food, we'll have a big feast like Thanksgiving, and of course, we have a gift for every child that is here that day, and we love to bless the kids with some Christmas presents, all right? And finally, my last announcement is our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Who's been here for a good Christmas Eve candlelight service? My goodness, what a powerful, awesome night that is. Uh, we get together. It's a short service, maybe 30 to 45 minutes. It's not very long, but we worship the Lord. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we, we sing some Christmas songs. We hear the Christmas story. We light our candles and just have an awesome time. So don't miss that night. If at all possible, you should be here and enjoy that night together. Amen. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Happy time. Yes. All right. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers are going to get you one. And we're going to open our Bibles tonight to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter eight, and this is a wonderful verse on uh, on giving here. Deuteronomy chapter eight, and I remember learning this verse as a kid. Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse eighteen, and this is powerful. Um, you got to check this out. It says, "And you shall remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Why? For it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Why?" I mean, come on, there's so many so many truths in this uh, verse that kind of slap the religious mindset right out of the water. Because I can tell you this much, there's a lot of Christians that truly believe that God does not want his children to have wealth. And I'm like, I just don't get that because all over scripture it tells us right here that God wants his children children to have wealth to have finances and resources well that sounds selfish no it's not not if you have the right heart check it out why is it he wants us to have wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day when godly people, when the children of God get finances and resources, what is it we do? We establish his covenant. We preach the gospel with it. We feed the poor. We give Christmas gifts to those in need. We do what we gotta do to get the gospel out. And I've seen so many times, people don't have any trouble with the rappers and the drug dealers and the athletes having all the resources, but when Christians get it, they're like, that's messed up. It's not messed up. It's exactly what god wants in his word new testament third john two beloved i wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers you have got to get a mind change within you child of god that god does want you blessed he does want you to prosper because he knows if he can get it into your hands you're going to do good things with it to preach the gospel can i get an amen tonight amen all right let's stand up together we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings and then we're going to have an awesome time of praise and worship and most importantly we're going to get into the word of god tonight amen let's say this together as we bring the lord's tithe and give offerings today we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions raises and bonuses Okay, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings, join us up here at the altar and let's praise
0: and worship the Lord together on tonight. Amen? You call down into darkness. Conquer the grave, you crossed the divide, lost in our sin, you made us alive, how can we ever hold it inside, we can't hold back, so we're gonna lift you high, high, hearts burning bright like a fire, five voices united. Stop singing. We're never gonna stop singing. Yes, set free, set free. No longer bound in chains. Jesus, You rescued me and called. Conquered the grave, you crossed the divide Lost in our sin, you made us alive How can we, we ever hold it inside? We can't
2: hold back
0: So we're gonna lift you higher, higher. hearts burning bright like a fire, fire the Voices unite, make it louder, louder We're never gonna stop singing We're never gonna stop Higher, higher Hearts burning bright Like a fire, fire, fire Voices unite Make it louder, louder We're never gonna Stop singing We're never gonna Stop singing Yes, Lord, we're never gonna stop singing For you, Father We are your tribe Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing. Every knee we will bow to the risen king. Lift him up, lift him up. We're never gonna stop singing. Every tribe, every tongue, every heart will sing. Every knee we will bow to the risen king. Lift him up, lift him up. We're never gonna stop singing. No, we're never going to stop. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire, voices unite, make it louder, louder. We're never going to stop singing. We're never going to stop. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire, voices unite.
2: stop singing, we're never gonna stop singing, I can't get enough, I know I can't get enough, your amazing love Jesus I can't get enough and I can't walk away no I can't walk away For I have seen your face And I can't walk away Sing, I just want to be And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart and there is nothing like your love. And Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Sing, I can't get enough. And I can't get enough. And no, I can't. amazing love Jesus I can't get enough and I can't walk away no I can't walk away for I have seen Face. and I can't walk away, and I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart, and there is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love, and I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart, and there is nothing like your love. Jesus there is nothing like your love Let's Just raise our hands and sing this Nothing like your love. One last time, let's just raise our voices and sing, I just And I just wanna be where you are, and I just wanna be near your heart. Just raise your voices. And there is nothing like your love, and Jesus. there is There is nothing
3: like your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just want to thank you for your holy presence in this church tonight. And Lord, going out across the internet. I know there's a lot of people watching tonight. And a lot of people that will watch this in the future. And Holy Ghost, I know that you're the same. Yesterday, today, forever. Just like Jesus. And I know that what well, you have me to minister on tonight, that will minister to people everywhere, anytime, for all time. And I thank you for hungry hearts, teachable spirits. And Christians, that want to live like Christians to change the world around us, Lord. That's what we want to do. We want to influence our generation. We want to influence people around us. Father, we want to see America changed. We want to see America turn, not burn. And we just want to thank you tonight, Lord, that uh, what you gave me up here at the altar just a couple minutes ago. Wow. I want to thank you, Lord, that we're going to receive tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many are ready to receive? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, if there's anybody watching from Martinsville, Indiana, or from back there, you may have been here when this first happened back in 1992, in December of 1992, 29 years ago. Uh, I'm going to be talking tonight about eternity conscious. And as we were worshiping the Lord, I forgot all about it. He gave me an open vision back in December uh, when I was pastoring back in Martinsville, that was, what was that, like 29 years ago, Sunday afternoon. had a vision, and I just thought of spiritual things, and it is spiritual, but then I realized this is happening right now in America. And what I'm going to preach tonight shows us as Christians what to do to reverse the curse. How many of know these things going on in America is a curse, it's not God. It's still to kill and destroy him. Jesus come to give life more abundantly and burning cities and looting and all the horrible things going on today is from the devil, not God. Anyway, back to December of 1992, we just pioneered a new church back in Marsville, Indiana, and we lived in a little bitty old house up in the woods on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. And so it was hillbilly country. But uh, the only place I could pray was Annie's little bedroom. Annie had a little bedroom, and we had all the kids we had. And so uh, about lunchtime, I went, I went back to the bedroom to pray in between services. And I was on my knees just praying. And all of a sudden, I saw burning cities in America. I forgot all about that until tonight. It might be in that book right, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I saw these cities burning. And, you know, I, I knew it was the devil. And I thought, that's just spiritual. Until just right up here at the altar, I remembered that. I thought, wow, that is spiritual in origin. But it's happening. And then, as those cities were burning, all of a sudden, I saw a great, big, beautiful, golden building start rising up in the cities. Golden buildings started rising up. And the Lord said, that's the church. If the church does what I tell them to do, my glory will begin to shine in these cities. I know, I know people watching out there too. This is for all of us as Christians. I'm going to talk about Christian things tonight that we as Christians, according to the words of Jesus, need to do if we want to change what's going on. How many are reading our Bible study we do on the internet? Because this kind of, got, I kind of got sparked on there this morning. From Colossians chapter 1, it talked about the church supposed to have preeminence. It said Jesus Christ is the head of the church. His body... And have preeminence. Now, we're going to be looking at Matthew 28 a little bit as we close out the sermon. But Jesus said, All authority is given unto me, now I give it to you. We have got authority over the works of the devil, we've got authority over demon spirits. We, as tithing Christians, are walking in the blessings of God, and these blessings are supposed to shine. To make the world look at us and ask us a reason, Peter said, to ask us a reason for the hope that's in us. Amen. And so I know that uh, for how I live and what we walk in, the devil's not going to touch my house. He's not going to touch my family. We're going to walk in our authority. But the fact of the matter is the body of Christ needs to walk in corporate authority. We We need to walk in the authority God's given us, be the Christians he's called us to be, and then we'll have influence. Why do you think these different protest groups and people are doing what they're doing? They have influenced other people. They've influenced other people to follow them. They've influenced people with their dark vision. They've influenced people to think like they think, believe like they believe, and they've gathered mobs together. Well, the Holy Ghost wants to gather praise groups together. Christian groups together for people to follow us. Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And so, how can you tell if a Christian is following Christ? Well, number one, they talk different. Amen. They like different things. They watch different kinds of movies. They attend different kinds of groups. Where they go, where they go to parties, where uh, they say it's a BYOB party, bring your own booze. So well, I bought my Bible. I thought it was bring bring my own Bible. They act different. You know, we can mix with sinners and not sin. How are we going to reach the lost if we're never around the lost? But if you're living like the lost, you can't reach the lost. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off tonight with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I came up with about three different titles for this. I didn't know exactly what to do, but I kind of I tweaked it right before we come to service tonight. And uh, the last thing I came up with is We Must Be Eternity Conscience. We Must Be Eternity conscious. But I, I just want to give you the couple of titles I had before that. First, what I have is this. Jesus Told Us How to Change America. That's pretty good, isn't it? Jesus told us, how to change America. And you know, just because Jesus says something in the Bible, our pre- preachers or believers repeat what he says, doesn't mean it'll happen. You know, how many people are there every day that hear the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, but they don't change? because so they don't receive it. They don't do it. How many Christians sit in churches and hear about tithing, but they never tithe? They don't change because they, do, they don't do what the Bible says. But Jesus has very plainly told us how to change America, how to change any place that we live. And then I wrote, I wrote on here, uh, if we quit acting like the unsaved world, then we can change the world around us. Quit acting like the unsaved world, then we can change the world around us. And, you know, there's a specific direction he's got me heading. And we'll see it as we look at the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and Paul said this, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, and I circled spiritual. There's some terms you need to be familiar with in the Bible. He said, I couldn't speak you as spiritual people, talking to Christians. He says, but as unto carnal, and I circled carnal, even as unto babes in Christ even as unto babes in Christ. And then he says, I fed you with milk, not with meat, not with solid food. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet nor are you able. For you are yet carnal. says, you're carnal. He said, I couldn't teach you anything deep. I couldn't give you anything meaty. says, you're carnal. How is that? For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions. Envy, strife, and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? And in the Greek, that walk as men says, live as mere unsaved men. You're living like mere unsaved men. And so I want to give you some definitions here as we look at this. So that uh, first part there where he says, I couldn't speak to you as a spiritual. A spiritual Christian is one that has heard the word, he's received it. As God talking to him personally or her personally, he's received it. this is God talking to me. I just want to ask you something I don't know you know how many people are like I am. When I got born again at twenty eight and a half years old, there's a thing going around in America back then. They had this thing they had this saying, "God is dead. there was bumper stickers. God is dead and I found out Jesus was alive, and when I found out Jesus was alive in January nineteen eighty Every time I opened my Bible, I felt like he was talking right to my heart. And I've always perceived the Bible that way all these years. When I read the Bible, I know it's the Bible talking to everybody. But Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words I speak unto you. So the whole Bible is God's talking But when you have an open heart, he's not just talking in general, he's talking to you. And so I've always received the word of God that way, that it's God talking to me. And so as we look at these verses right here, just think about that. He said, I couldn't speak unto you as to spiritual. And so spiritual means that you've heard the word, you've received it, and then you go to the next level, you meditate in it. You meditate in it and back for all the iPhones, dumb smartphones, smart dumb phones, and all the, all the stuff. My pastor taught us what his pastor taught him, and I, I put it into practice because I like to follow him as he followed Christ. I saw the results, and so I wanted to be like my pastor. He said, buy three by five cards. Write verses on them. Carry them in your pocket. Carry them in your purse. Pull them out and look at them. Read them out loud. Talk about them till they get in your heart and your thinking. And this is what a spiritual Christian does. He gets the word working in his heart, in his thinking. And then, not only does he that, in his thinking process is changed to where he thinks what the Bible says. At the first sign of trouble, crisis, decision-making, his first thought is, not what does Google say, it's what's the Bible say. And so what I did, uh, before I was born again, I was a Star Trek fan. I haven't watched a whole lot of it in the last several years, but I watched Star Trek. And they, taught, they had these things, this expression all about the memory banks. And so I would say, Holy Ghost, would face it as and say, Holy Ghost, have I got to think of my memory banks that deals with this? And the Holy Ghost would always bring up verses to my thinking and my understanding that dealt with it whether it was uh, job, job things, people things, family things, money things, sick things, demon things, whatever it was, car things, the Bible has the answer for everything you'll ever face in life. Amen. I'd be in difficult situations, difficult people, I'd be challenged, and I'd, I'd say, Holy Ghost, you think the memory banks on that? And I'd see what to do. And so a spiritual Christian is never concerned about what people think or say, but what does the Bible say? And so Paul said, I couldn't speak to you under spiritual. And so your process changes to where the first thing you think when you've got to make a decision is what does God say? And the only thing you know what God says is what does the Bible say? And the only way you can know what the Bible says is because number one, you have a Bible you read your Bible, you go to a good church and you write down Bible verses and when things in a church service like this jump off at you, then at some point in time in the very near future, you pull those notes out again. You know, might be able to look at a verse. You know, if one verse tonight jumps off at you, when you get home, what I used to do, I'd leave my Bible on my nightstand beside my bed, open up those verses my pastor taught and when I'd go to bed, I would look at those verses, I would read them out loud, and I would always remember address with it. I'd say 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and I'd read that verse. And then in the morning time, when I got up, I looked over. First thing, I'd see my Bible in there, and I'd look at it again. I'd say 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I'd read it out loud again, and I'd write it on a 3 by 5 card, and I'd carry it with me. And why is that? I wanted to be a spiritual Christian. And by spiritual Christian, it's about a mature Christian. A mature Christian doesn't just hear the word. He receives it. He learns it. He acts on it. He puts it in action in his everyday life. That's when you're moving from carnal, from baby, to being mature. When you begin to act on it. And so, and when he talks here now about a carnal and a babe, there's two different things. A baby Christian if somebody just got born again and they don't know anything, and everybody here, you know, there's, there's similarities, parallels between natural things and spiritual things. Spiritual babies are like natural babies. I asked a while ago where, where Julie was, or his mom did, said she's back in the nursing mother's room. Why is that? Because Judah don't know how to eat his own supper. He has to be fed. Your babies have to be fed. They have to have diapers changed. They have to be watched. You have to recognize the different cries. Baby Christians have to be bottle-fed until they're able to start eating solid food. Baby baby Christians make messes sometimes, and they about go haywire because they made a mess. Well, we come along, and we change their little diapers. We powder their little spiritual bottoms. And we help, say, so get up, that's okay, that's okay, God understands, He's gonna help you. We get them up and going, well, that's a baby. But then a carnal Christian is somebody that's been born again a while, and they decide to still keep on acting like a baby. They're the ones that's been born again for quite some time, and all they have to do is go on the Facebook and say, hey, hey, help, help, pray. Yeah. And they're the ones that they live on, the sending of prayers, hun. I pray to the Father and the Father sends answers from heaven he doesn't send it send through people like that it comes from heaven and so so uh, carnal Christians are Christians that have heard the word but they haven't received it they can shout about it they can jump about it but they never do anything with it they don't go to the next step of meditating in the Word of God and getting a little deeper. they just coming to church sometimes try to get a fix. And then when it comes down to where they're challenged in life, they don't think about what does the Bible say. They want to call the pastor. Well, what do you think? And then they want to call uh, somebody else from another church. What do you think? And then they want to call somebody else. And then they want to go on Google, find out what Google has to say about it and everything else because they're living by their, by their senses, not out of their spirit. See, Paul talked about those three different types of things. And so a carnal Christian has not received the Word of God as the truth of God speaking to them for where they live at, and they haven't allowed the Word of God to change their thought process they have not allowed the Word of God to change their thought process. You know, to me, I just think about some things are basic Christianity. Tithing is such a basic Christianity. I don't understand how somebody could be a Christian loving Jesus and go to church for 20 years, 30 years and never get a hold of that yet. That's carnality. That's somebody that, as Paul said, said, I can't speak to you as are spiritual. Get offended all the time. I never learned the value of coming to church consistently. Where they'll get, they'll get, in, they'll get, they'll get a, uh, they'll get, they'll get a uh, rally going. Where man, they come to church three or four services in a row, three or four months in a row. And they glory to God, thank you, Jesus. They're growing up, they got it. And then you don't see them again for another year. Think what happened to them? Well, they're carnal Christians. They haven't learned the value of the word yet. And Paul said that there's three kinds of people he's talking to. He said, talking to spiritual, carnal, and babes. And so I want you to look at verse 2. He said, because you're carnal and like a baby, he said, I can't feed you anything solid because you couldn't handle it. You're not yet able. Now, verse 3 then, I want you to see this. This is the part we're going to deal with tonight about the difference between a spiritual Christian and a carnal Christian. Because we can't change America we can't change the whole country, but we've got influence where we live at. and that's the whole thing about it. God has you planted where he wants you to bloom. He has Christians planted in different strategic locations around the globe to change that location. And so the people watching out here on the Internet, and people watching this in the future, wherever you're at, you can change what goes on around you where you're at. You can't change the whole world, but you can change your part of the world. You need to get that in your thinking. You can't change the whole world. You can't change the whole country. But I'll tell you one thing, where we live, at Barstow, California, is a pretty good place. We've got a lot of good Christians in Barstow, California that are walking in their Christianity, walking in their authority, walking in their love, and they're taking authority over things they see try to happen. There's so many things. I've seen try to hit this city in the last almost 17 years, now that we've been here, that... uh, I've seen Christians changed by their prayer life, by their faith, by not backing down to the devil. And that's what God wants us to do, to be able to change things. And so he says, verse 3, you're carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions. He says a carnal Christian falls for envy, strife, and divisions. and said because of that, you're living just like unsaved men. In other words, you're living like you did before you met Jesus. So you're a carnal Christian, and you know you can't do anything about being a baby Christian because Judah can't change himself right now. Judah, Judah, not even six months old, I don't think. Judah's got to grow up. So you can't you can't blame Judah if he does little things in his diaper. And little babies, if you don't watch him close. They reached into those diapers a little bit older. I pulled the little balls out of there, eating them and things like that. Well, you don't whip the baby for that; they're babies. But Christians should not be still playing in their poop. What do you think divisions are? He said, "Carnal Christians are going nowhere because they play the division game." You know. I I just, I'm not stepping into politics. But we've let the devil promote a lie in America, and it really started big back in the year 2000. The news started saying, first of all, how many you know the news hasn't been real in agreement with God? Well, the Bible, Psalms 133, says that how good and pleasant is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's the place of anointing. That's the place of power. He said, brethren, well, unity, And then Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, In a city, nation, or family divided. That's the opposite of unity. That's division. He said, Anything divided can't stand. Well, the national news back in 2000 are saying, A nation divided. A nation divided. A nation divided. And they still say, A nation divided. Well, when well, this nation was founded by Christians, They called this the United Nations. That's Psalms 133. That's unity. That's why America can withstand so many hits for so many years because Christians in America and America was united. Amen. And division came in. And so what we're talking about here, Paul said, you're living like mere unsaved men because there's divisions among you. And we're talking about us being able to start doing something in our own lives to be able to help start changing our country. And, you know, I know because the Holy Ghost that influences us is the same Holy Ghost influencing pastors across America. It's the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God on the earth. The Holy Spirit is telling us what Jesus says. And so I know across America in churches that are Christian churches, that believe Jesus is the Savior of the world, that believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world, believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, I know that every pastor in America that's listened to the Holy Spirit is telling their church the same thing. Don't get sucked into the divisions and the strifes and the fights and the bickering. Don't get caught up into racial wars, political wars, Economic wars. Class envy. Don't get caught into that. You ever heard that expression in the politics, class envy? What did he say right there? Envies. Envies among you. You know, the uh, Bible tells us be content with what we've got. You know, it's okay to use your faith and want to prosper more and grow more. But don't get mad because somebody else has already got it want to take theirs. That's called envies. He said that's carnal. Amen. Who is it that prospers as his believers? Is it the job? God could use the job, but God could use anything. No, God could use a fish. How, 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 how did Jesus pay his and Peter's taxes? He said, Peter, go down there and go fishing. The first fish you catch, reach in its mouth. He said, there's the money. doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so anyway, anyway, uh, he said, there's envy and divisions among you, so you're carnal. He says, that's how the unsaved world lives. If we're going to live like the unsaved world, how are we ever going to influence them? Back in September of 2000, Jesus told me the reason the nation is divided is because the church is divided. Do you know that at Ephesians, Chapter 5, it says he's come back for a church without spot or wrinkle, full of glory, full of power. Well, we're so close. We're so close to the end of everything. It's time for us not to let national media and people who don't agree with the Bible tell us what we're supposed to believe. Tell us what we're supposed to do. You know, uh, I, want to say, I want to use this expression again to you. You need to become eternity conscience. Eternity conscience. Satan's greatest weapon is division. His greatest success comes from division. Jesus' greatest, greatest thing he uses in the church is unity amongst believers. You know, you think about Matthew 18:19. If any two shall agree touching anything... It will be done by the Father in heaven. And how could you be in unity if you're fighting about black and white all the time? How can you be in unity if you're fighting about Democrat and Republican all the time? Trump's not our savior. Obama's not our savior. Biden's not our savior. John Kennedy wasn't our savior. Our savior is Jesus Christ. Presidents come and go. Congress comes and goes. News broadcasters comes and go, as some of them finding out recently, that they're not on their throne forever. Jesus is on the throne forever, and we're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And so why, 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 why does the body of Christ for the, fall for those traps of wanting to get all upset about what the devil's doing? when we can stop it. Prayer doesn't deny things. Prayer changes things. Prayers are more powerful when you're a Christian walks in the love of God. And with other Christians even, that feed on the news day and night and all the stuff going on, and they come up to you, that ain't right, that ain't right. What do you think? Well, I agree it ain't right, but I'll tell you what is right. Let me have your hand. Let's take authority over this now. That's what's right. Jesus told us that if we agree, we can change this. Well, you see what's about to happen? Well, glory to God, we've been warned. We can change that. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen eighteen, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Let's stop that thing right now. It's not going to happen in our city. But I want to say it again. If you're living like the unsaved world, Paul said you're living just lust like mere unsaved men, you're not going to have any power. You can't be a part of the problem and change the problem. We're the answer. Amen. I want to say it again. We are the answer. If we're part of the problem, we're never going to change the problem. You know, Christians have got to start getting in the Word of of God, learning this thing, and then they've got to learn uh, three simple words. Zip the lip. I was out of the secular workforce for years and years and years and years. I was in those break rooms. As a truck driver, I was in those factories, those warehouses, all those different places I went to. And 99% of the conversation was about what the latest dumb politicians were doing. And no matter which party was in, somebody knew that this party here was the evil one and that was the good one. The next time they changed, then they just changed the, changed the phrases. That's the evil one, that's the good one. Changed it around, but you know the thing that stayed the same all those years? Jesus Christ. Save yesterday, today, and forever. And so when those conversations come along. I just kept my mouth shut. I played the language of silence. And you know what my best my be, my best influence was? People saw how I lived, at those one-on-one times. You remember Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and talked to him. These some of these most most vile sinner truck driver people would come to me when nobody else was looking, and say, "Hey." I want to ask you a question about the Bible. You're a Bible man, aren't you? I wouldn't deny it. I'd say, yeah. I want to ask you something. Does the Bible really say such and such? And if it didn't, I'd say, no. That's just something somebody made up. That's not the Bible. And then if it did I'd say, yeah, you're right. That's in the Bible. And so my greatest influence on people was those one-on-one things. But it's because I wasn't living like the rest of them. I didn't join join into uh, politician bashing. I never joined into the company bashing. I never jumped into bashing the head guy at the company or the supervisor we had. I kept my mouth shut. A lot of things I saw a lot of times I didn't like at all. But I tell you what, my father in secret, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray to your father in secret. Your father sees you in secret. He rewards you openly. And so I, I'm just thinking about I'm thinking about the time that I, I had the boss. Of, he wasn't a Christian. He was the head guy of the company. And he had a glass office in the middle middle of the terminal, and everybody could see in the office there. He called me in at nighttime into his office. He wasn't even saved, but he's married to a Jewish lady. And he say, "I need to ask you some questions about Christianity, because my wife's Jewish. But if I was going to be anything, I'd be a Christian. And so tell me something. What what about this? What about that?" And the guys would get envious because they had to clock out. I wanted an overtime person. I didn't want the overtime. I wanted to go home. I wanted to get out of there. When I was done, I was done. He'd he's have me in there half hour, 45 minutes, ask me Bible questions. And so I'd walk out of the office, the guys go, brownie, brownie. That's, in other words, that's what he said, brown nose. Said so I was in there sucking up to the boss. I would not sucking up to the boss. Because of my walk, the boss wanted to ask me holy questions. And so I could give him answers. And the answers he thought was for his wife, but they were more for him than his wife because God wanted to change him first. And I didn't go there preaching to him. He saw that I wasn't one of them out there bad-mouthing him. He thought, man, this guy's not against me. He must be for me. Amen. that's, That's how this works anyway. Unsaved people argue and fight about race things. And, you know, it's not just the black and white thing. Wherever you live in the country, I know out of the East Coast we've been out there a lot. Man, they fight about Italians out there and Portuguese and everybody else. Wherever you live at, somebody's not going to like something about somebody, what their heritage is, what color they are, what's going on like that. That is called division. You know, let me just ask you as Christians something. One's out here watching too. Who made white people? Who made black people? Who made brown people? Who, 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 who made... Uh, if well, I started to say Oriental, that would just date me. Who made Asian people? He made us all. So you know what? In God's eyes, we must all be good. And you know, the world is understandable. The world that's ruled by the devil would want to fight somebody about what color they're where they come from. But Paul said, you Christians, get out of the divisions. Stop the division stuff. To go to heaven or somebody goes to hell, there's going to be every race Every political persuasion, which nobody cared about then, everything there. And so wherever you go, there's going to be differences. So on earth, Christians need to be eternity conscious and recognize that everybody crosses our path, whether male or female, whatever whatever their status in life is, there's there's one thing God looks at. God looks at Dave McNeil, and God looks on the inside and says, is he saved or not? God looks at Tawny. And he sees Tawny. He doesn't care if she looks on the outside. He doesn't care anything about this stuff. He looks at her heart and says, does Jesus live there or not? Because his whole deal is he wants people to go to heaven. And I know that I learned when I was a Christian truck driver, I met so many people, rich people, poor people, corporate executives, street people. I I was thinking yesterday. I was thinking, Lord, yesterday, I used to have a trucking route in the ghetto part of Indianapolis. I remember some of the things I saw in that ghetto. Yesterday I said, Lord, I want to thank you for where I live. I don't live there. I want to thank you, Jesus. I want to help all those people. I want to thank you, Jesus, where you've got us in life. Because the whole thing is rich man, beggar, they're all the same in God's eyes. He looks at the heart. And God knows that when they take their last breath, they're going to go one of two places. And so I prayed. As a young Christian, Lord, when I look at people, open my eyes to see what you see. I don't want to see their color. I don't want to see whether they're male or female. I don't want to see whether they're rich or poor. Lord, I want to see if they're saved or unsaved. Amen. We need to see like God sees. And so Christians, to be effective in influencing others, must be in a unity and agreement with Jesus, the head of the church. If we're going to be ineffective, We've got to be in agreement with Jesus. What's John 3.16 say? God so loved the world, He gave Jesus. Who's there, believeth in Him. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you want to be in unity with Jesus, you get in agreement with the Bible. He wants people saved. And so the only way believers can be in unity with Jesus is to be in agreement with His Word. And you, know, you think about that. We're not going to agree everything about how, how to run the country how to run a church how to run a business how to run a family even. Everybody's got their different ways of want to bring up their kids, hopefully Bible ways but we all got different things some people want to beat the bottom board, some people don't some people want to have times out some people don't. There's all kinds of different ways we do things but one thing that we could be in agreement on is Bible things about the nation about our personal lives the Bible tells us how to live morally tells them what's right and what's wrong. And if we get an agreement with what marriage is, then we're in unity with Jesus, because the Bible says it. When we get an agreement about love and forgiveness, about praying for the nation, then we're in agreement with Jesus because the Bible teaches those things. And so when Christians get away from the division thing about fighting about all those things, then it doesn't make any difference what color you are, what your family's political background was, what your financial status is in life we can be in unity the bible says god wants people saved the bible says christians got to get along the bible says don't get caught up in strife and divisions the bible says and the more we start getting in unity with what the bible says then the more we're in unity of jesus and that's how we change the world well i want to look at a couple other things because we're I'll tell you what, these Wednesday nights go so quickly. But I want to look at Romans chapter 12. And this is a verse that if you've been born again for a while, you've probably seen it. But I think you need to see it again because we need to to act like it's true. I want to look at verse 2, Romans 12, verse 2. And this is the Bible. How many believe the Bible is Jesus talking to you? Okay. Okay. And be you conformed to everything you see on the news. Be you conformed to everything that people are fighting about. Be you conformed to how unfair life is. No, be you conformed, be not conformed to this world, to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your mind. That you may prove was a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I, I wrote down something a while ago. I, I, I got another smartphone yesterday that somebody said, You get one of those 13s? No, I got to refurbish ten, because I I don't need all that stuff. I got what I got and what I wanted to pay for, so I got one. It's new to me. Does what I do? But the thing was, when I was there at the place yesterday, they took it and hooked up the little thing there all the do 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 do. Renewing that phone. Reprogram that phone. It might be a ten. They put all the stuff on them that the newer ones have got. And we as Christians have to continually be upgraded. We have to continue to get plugged in to heaven through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. We've got to take time ourselves as Christians to have our prayer closet, to have our prayer time, and our Bible time, and our hearts open to the Holy Spirit. And my prayer has always been the same for uh, 42 years. Lord, I want you to use me. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do, Jesus. Just use me. And we need to be open and not conform to the world. And, you know, it's really, really hard in these times we live in, if you're addicted to the Internet, to television news, cable news, to not be conformed to the world. You know, the little bit of stuff I see right now, the reason I know about those burning cities, I've, I've seen some of it lately, but I, have, I'm not, I don't hardly see it at all. But I realize that vision I had, that's those burning cities. But I also realize that we're the gold that God wants to raise up to change what's going on. So it says, be not conformed to the world, transformed by the moon of your mind. We need to plug in to the Word of God so the Word of God come in To our hearts and to our heads. Your mind, if you don't know it or not, your mind is the door to your spirit. What's in your mind is going to filter into your spirit. The more you change your mind to think like God thinks, the easier it's going to be for God to talk to you. And the more your mind is cluttered with the lies, the strifes, the discords, the divisions, that the nastier your spirit's going to be about receiving from God. Can you see that? We've got to get serious about this as Christians, and so we've got to be to conscious. And because of time, I'm going to go to Matthew 28 and close out right here. Matthew 28. Jesus told us exactly what to do to change things around us in our part of the world. And, you know, he, he gave me something years and years ago. We're going to look at Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. But I can't change the whole world. I can't change every family in the church. Here's what I can do. Now listen to this. Receive this personally for you. I can change one person in this whole thing. It's me. I'm not responsible for how my wife thinks. She's responsible for how she thinks. We both have the same Jesus. We both have the same Bibles. Both go to the same church, hear the same things. It's how she receives that's going to determine how she is. Same thing with me. And so here's what I, here, here's what God told me years ago the plan, His plan was. He wants to change a city, a nation, the world, but He does it this way. He changed it one person at a time beginning with you. And then one family at a time beginning with your family. And then the family's planted in the church. He changes the church by the family. The church changes. It starts with the dad, the mom, whoever's the head of the family. The children get it. Then the church changes for the better. And then that church, he changes the city. One church at a time changes the city. And then as you get a city that has the glory of God, that building, that glory coming up, then that city can change the region, the county. And then as the gospel spreads, Then it began to change the state. And that's how things work. That's how fire starts. Just that one spark with one person, one family, one church, and it spreads. Churches influence other churches. So Matthew 28, here's what it's coming down to to get your mind renewed. Of course, verse 18 says, All authority is given unto him. He says, Go you therefore and teach all nations, my center column says make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. That's what we're doing here in the church. We're making disciples in this church here. We're teaching, and we're role modeling, and we're having one-on-ones. And a lot of you help disciple one another, disciple the other Christian, because you're all the time teaching and learning and showing things. It says, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatever the latest trouble is. Teach them to observe whatever the latest Facebook fad is. No, teach them to observe what? All things, whatsoever I've commanded you. All things. Teach them to observe all things I commanded you. And so the number one way to save America is not just get people saved. That's the priority. But the number one way is after you get them saved, start discipling. We can disciple the ones that submit to us as their pastors. A lot of you have a lot of influence. You know, I, th- I think about John. i tell you, John blesses me. I go to his place of business sometimes. He helped me work on my car there. The first thing he always tells everybody in that place, no matter who they are, this is my pastor. This is my pastor. He's very, very proud and bold about his Christian faith. And he knows where his help comes from. And I think about, I think well, I think about Dave McNeil. Dave McNeil's worked on stuff before, no matter who I'm around Dave McNeil. So I say, everything, this is my pastor. And they know, they know they know the fruit of these men's lives. They see the character in their lives. And so then people begin to think, well, these guys are like they are because where they go to church. Next thing you know, they're saying, where's your church at? Where's your services? Then they get them in here, and we can disciple them. But the disciple part I talk about mainly is this. A lot of you already do this it's your one-on-one times you do with the people that look to you people look up to you those little sessions you have i, well, I think about you guys gals in the break rooms sitting there drinking coffee you read little devotionals, bibles whatever you're doing and people's talking to you and you're talking to them and you know any christian church in my in my opinion is a good church if the preacher jesus but don't all teach the word real strong and so things you learn about the love walk about unity about healing, about confession out of your mouth, those things like that. But if you're sitting with people and they start saying little things like, "Well, that just scared me to death. I just know this is what the doctor can say. We're going to die. my family's worried the curse. We're going to die." Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't you know the death and life is the power of the tongue? Proverbs 18:21 says, "You'll have what you say." Jesus said, in Mark 11: "You'll have what you say." You know what you're starting to do? You do that. You're discipling them, and that's what Jesus said. He said, make disciples, teach them what I've taught you. And guys, if we as Christians quit getting caught up in the divisions, the strife, the envies, all the different conflicts in our nation right now, if we start preaching Jesus and actually living for Jesus and able to start doing some discipling on our jobs and our families, wherever we're at like that. And you know what? Discipling is so easy. It just comes natural. People and have never come in here and heard me or Pastor Dave or anything going on in here, they hear you every day. You don't have to think about a sermon because you are the sermon. And when you share those things, that's how we begin to change this nation. And so I just want to just leave you with this thought. Become eternity conscious. Start realizing all this stupid stuff going around is the devil trying to divert us off our mission. Our mission is this. Get people born again, and stay born again ourselves so they got something to look up to. Amen. 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 Pastor Dave, I'll let you, I'll let you take over, man. I'll keep on preaching. I don't know how to shut it off. <laughs> yeah, that's okay if we got time.
1: All right, let's go ahead and stand up together, everybody. Praise God. Who received the word tonight? Amen. Amen. All right, well, we. We will take a few minutes here. If you need prayer for anything, uh, we'll go ahead and offer some prayer for just a few minutes here. Um, So praise God. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song. If you need prayer for anything, come on up, and we will stand in agreement with you.
2: And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love And Jesus There is nothing like your love And I can't get enough No, I can't get enough your amazing love Jesus, I can't get enough And I can't walk away No, I can't walk away For I have seen your face And I can't walk away And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love, Jesus, there is nothing like your love, Holy, Holy, Jesus I love you Holy 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 Jesus I love you Jesus I love you I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart, and there is nothing like your love, Jesus, there is nothing like your love.